Do we want to talk about format-based seasons in the pre-show or as a topic in the main show? It's all kind of, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, we could just mention it. It doesn't super matter. Like it's, we've been asking for it for a while, right? We're all, we're both pretty pro format based. I, and I was shocked by the amount of people who are against it, honestly. I'm not. You, you gotta think that because organized play is not supported, Mm -hmm. not the way it was like five years ago or whatever, people aren't used to like, these kinds of things for organized play especially mm-hmm. since like foreign based seasons are even older than that yeah like probably like seven eight ten years ago so people are just used to being like oh i'll have a modern thing every time if i don't like that i'll go to the pioneer one that's like two and a half hours away or whatever yeah <laughs> i also think a large not large some of the people reacting to it are just like not competitive players just like people who want to play modern at a local store Mm -hmm. at a tournament which i get but yeah but like it's not really the target audience for that (laughs) i don't know i i guess i just don't know like i don't know what other people's communities or like what their store tournaments are like but if you have a modern scene in your area and people love modern and your store like would run only modern rcqs like your store can still run modern tournaments i don't know see the most relevant argument to me against format based seasons is not from a player perspective it's actually from a store perspective because purchasing these rcqs costs actual money yeah and if people and don't show up overcharged right yeah. then it's a problem like that and that's part of the issue with like having regional tournament organizers like dreamhack and legacy and such mm-hmm. where their prices are just exorbitant and <laughs> they really shouldn't be charging what they are but there's no oversight from watsi on them so yeah i mean the stores just get destroyed they shouldn't be charging anything at all stores should just get these because they're engaging in the op program which is an advertising expense for wizard like come on we all we all know what this should be happening here so that is the argument i actually buy that format best seasons are bad when stores are like i mean if i'm not allowed to host moderate events for the first season the first season's pioneer right mm-hmm next season after that is modern but if i'm not allowed to host my store isn't allowed to host modern events and i have to pay dreamhack way too much money to get these stupid prizes yeah and promo cards and i don't get that much attendance like why would i hold these that's definitely a risk and and certainly especially once we get to a standard season like either people are going to nut up and buy a standard deck and play some standard rcqs or attendance will plummet and i guess we'll see but it does seem to be like a last ditch this is the only way that like paper standard could come back if it ever will this is literally the only way you can ever revive standard yeah and so either like we're just gonna have a completely dead rcq season and they're gonna have to give up or maybe we start getting standard back to being a real format i don't know how much of that has to do with like standard actually being good or not at the time, but it certainly won't help if standard is bad at the time. So I hope that things line up okay. Uh, it just kind of depends. Like Kaladesh, right? Mm-hmm. That was a standard format that had a lot going on for it, and there were a lot of different variety. But some of the cards were like super overtuned, like Smuggler's Copper. Yeah, and I know at least locally that tournament attendance, even before they started banning like super egregious cards like Emrakul. And Smuggler's Copter. Attendance was just really down. Like, ever since when Kaladesh, like, plummeted the standard attendance, mm-hmm. it just, like, never recovered. 
Yeah. So the format doesn't really need to be good because I think the Kaladesh format was actually really skill intensive like the entire time. Right, but it needs to be fun. It, it just needs to be fun. Yeah. Yep, yep. Hopefully it will be fun. I mean, another part of the equation here too is that an RC invite is not a big enough prize to be like a motivator all on its own because they haven't done a good job of making it good yet. We saw attendance for RCQs go down this season because the RC that it qualifies for is standard and like just being an RC isn't enough if it's like a format that people don't want to play then. That's its own problem that's adding to it here where like you can buoy a format that people aren't the most interested in playing if it's for a good reason. But yeah, you need it to qualify for something that people want. It also hurts that like the marketing from Wizards is not towards these tournaments. Like what if they're expecting people to care because they say so, they're like not doing a good job of saying so. Mm -hmm. Almost everything i see them excited about is like a secret layer or something or a new set right new product release right that's true we're not getting lots of like like they're not retweeting like rcq winner tweets or anything like that it's not like part of the strategy yeah it's just like a thing they're doing i guess because they said they would i i'm not it feels like no one is really dedicated to keeping op like on the forefront of the game yeah it's just kind of tagging along yeah yeah, I mean, right. And I, I don't know that just like making tweets or whatever, but it, it right. It doesn't feel like there's a whole like culture being like, like coordinated effort around that or anything like that. They have a weekly stream and I don't think we've had any tournament streams at all. Right. Ever. It seems like a very obvious like inclusion for like once a month or we'll make the stream include some tournament stuff or whatever. Like, yeah. But it's just not like they could even take the the promos for the next month or whatever the next season and just make that part of the stream because mm -hmm. that's a new product they want to like presumably try to sell. Yeah, but it's not happening. Yeah. Or, and they could also like engage in like the series being run and stuff like they could congratulate the winner of NRG champs and stuff like that. Just like make it a whole like, yeah. Of course, competitive magic is a part of magic generally, and I don't know that those little things would do that much, but... No, I think it actually does a lot, because competitive magic is really more aspirational than anything else. Yeah, that's true. So put it in front of people. Very, very few people are just, like, trying to be the best for the sake of just being the best. Right. They want, you know, to be involved in something big or name recognition and stuff like that. I think that's actually a big part of it. Yeah, the... The world will know your name. We want um, <laughs> Sir Mix a lot to shake our hands or yeah, point at us. Really, or whatever. all anyone wants. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited about seasons. I do struggle to have enough time to like go back and forth between multiple formats. And if standard season works out and is a thing, and people actually go to these things, it's a it's a big if. But I wouldn't mind having impetus to play some standard again. See, I like standard in very small doses mm -hmm. but that is not kind to my wallet <laughs> i know it's tough especially because like it, like the the problem is even greater nowadays where like singles prices like crater a couple of months after a, a new set comes out uh, for right. everything except for like commander staples i have two little stories i guess before we talk into like real episode spoiler things mm -hmm. so one is 
the your mention of a million dollar tournament reminded me of the meta zoo like big tournament i don't know it was, happened like a year or so maybe a few years ago it was so meta zoo was having their like big tournament we're, we're a real game we're paying out real money that sort of deal a player goes into the tournament goes undefeated in day one it's a two-day tournament makes a tweet that this tournament is so free the competition is so easy i'm gonna bring this whole thing home <laughs> he then gets banned from the game in between day one and two for the by tweet. the meta zoo people yeah because of that tweet for being cocky yeah he is not invited to play in day two and is no longer able to play the game at all you just which is fine because it <laughs> well hold up but instead of like playing off of this and creating like the all-time heal like from day one of your game you just like eliminated that concept from your competition from your like story building apparently i mean this was someone who had just like learned metazoo to win money at this tournament like was not playing the game like not a real player of the game mm -hmm. just like came for magic or something sure and explicitly just wanted the money and tweeted and they just like kicked him just you're out of here and that game is not played as far as I know anywhere ever. <laughs> uh, my other story to just stretch this out more is unrelated, but it happened this weekend. Uh, at a Flesh and Blood pro quest that the gang went to. And Collins is in the top eight in a mirror. I'll, I'll call it a control mirror for simplicity's sake. But essentially the game, so Flesh and Blood has this system where you the cards you play go in your graveyard the cards you block with go in your graveyard but the cards you like pitch and pay for stuff go on the bottom of your deck and so you can like redraw mm -hmm. into your deck like very late in the game sure so this game had gone really long and both players were just pitching a card to attack with their weapon putting it on the bottom and then preventing it by pitching other stuff mm -hmm. so the game state got to a point where neither player had any attacks and they were just attacking with their hammer and preventing all the damage and neither player could win <laughs> so <laughs> collins asked uh what judge what do we we've do we've been doing this turn for like five turn cycles now what do we do uh they look it up they're like okay keep playing We're, i'm gonna look it up this is kind of unusual <laughs> so they do their same turn cycles because theoretically one of them can win if the other messes up it's just not gonna happen but it's the same turn every turn it's the same turn <laughs> <laughs> And the judge is like, all right, this is an untimed match, so you just have to play another game. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they stop that game, re-sideboard and all that stuff, and then just play a different, and play another game <laughs> as the quarterfinals match. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know how you fix it in Magic if, like, you know, both players have a Platinum Angel and an empty library and empty hand in play or something like that, like in an untimed like i guess you just would you do the same thing right or no i i mean I, if, if they both have like a platinum angel and a platinum empyrean in play or something like that so you can't have life total changes there you're at the same life you, you can't win or lose it, it's kind of like a similar scenario like if neither player because like theoretically that game could either of those games could end if you just like suicide one of your creatures into their creature or right. block but but like it's not in the incentive for either player to make a play that could lose them the game so they're not going to do it. Yeah. So well, what do you do? <laughs> it's a it's clearly a draw. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. To my knowledge, it's like one of the only times that has happened 
in flesh and blood tournaments like it's very uncommon yeah that's pretty wild that's funny like we had to consult judge discords and such (laughs) to get the ruling Welcome to episode 278 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hi, Lee. Hey, CCR. What's going on? Uh, not much. I was just going to like ask you what card you're excited to talk about and just, you know, At the most dive into it. Ooh. I don't know. There's a lot of cards that this is like the niche cards episode, really. Yeah, we kind of <laughs> hit some of the obvious hitters in the first preview episode there's some good stuff left for this one though okay the card i want to talk about the most since we're just jumping into it sure is mondrak okay so mondrak glory dominus is a two white white four four legendary phyrexian horror that says if one or more tokens would be created in your control twice that many other twice that many of those tokens are created instead and you can pay one Phyrexian white, Phyrexian white, and sacrifice two other artifacts and or creatures to put an indestructible counter on Mondrak. I actually really enjoyed Anointed Procession when that card was legal and standard. (laughs) I just, it was like the right kinds of dirtily and degenerate, but not that powerful kind of deal. But when you did your thing, it felt like you're like really crushing it, you know? I yes I know exactly what you mean I also mostly remember it as the deck that like people would play and then insist that they were playing it because it beat team or energy and then be completely unable to win post board games when you had negates in your deck yeah but the deck was really fun I did really it was very cool yeah even though I played strictly team or energy in tournaments (laughs) and in like FNM I would play the anointed processions X that's kind of like where I landed on that. that's fair uh but Mondrick is a cool anointed procession like it's four mana it is not an enchantment it's way easier to kill as a four four creature but it does have that indestructible counter thing yeah you've got your engine going and it being a creature especially after it's indestructible is very valuable I especially like the yeah I mean uh, a four four version of an enchantment for the same like that has the same ability like you're getting a lot more out of it especially if like removal spells don't work on it i also love the way that the like activated ability that gives it indestructible kind of like synergizes with its primary ability because anytime you're sacrificing something that dies into a token you're getting double those tokens out of it and so there is a doomed traveler in this set that I guess might go in the deck with this thing, whatever. We also make way more like treasure tokens than we ever did when anointed procession existed. So that that sort of thing, like cast this the turn after fable, the mirror breaker attack, make an extra treasure. You're already like doing something really good. The weird part about this card to me is that a lot of the white token generating things in this set are all mites, mm-hmm. which cannot block, which is something you Want to avoid pretty much at all costs when you're playing a token generating deck. <laughs> yes. Because they take a very long time to like get going. Those are not the ones I'm excited to get twice as many of. So you don't want to like block with your crawling chorus, which is the Doom Traveler you referenced, and mm-hmm. then just get like a mite that can't block on the back end. Yeah. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> like it'll suicide into their 2 2. 
But when you're putting this in something like a something that makes treasures, something that makes artifact tokens from the other set, uh, the Brothers War makes soldier tokens. Just like look at the tokens you can create. There are still cards from Shadows Over Innerstrat that make uh, clues, though I don't think they're easily accessible in white. The only one is a removal spell, if I recall correctly. It's it's just a card that you can build a deck around, and that is what makes me happy for it. Yeah, I don't think we get enough of those nowadays. And it's also a card that you build a deck around that doesn't require exclusively the set mechanic, and so you have to like browse the set for cards that work with like token is a broad enough theme that you can pull from a lot of different stuff. Yeah, you don't have to set the scryfall search to like oil counter or whatever. Right. It's just whatever token in any set. Yeah. Every set has tokens. So yeah, I mean this is definitely not a sure thing and likely even if it like gets there it's in like a tier 2 deck that like you can play for fun, but I I am into what it's doing and I love 4/4 four, four with anointed procession text. Like that definitely like I, I'm okay with that stat line and stuff. Yeah, I, this is the kind of card I hope is playable in not the best deck. Because when Mastery of the Unseen, like green-white stuff right. was the best you thing You don't want to be doing this at Mirror all the time or anything like that. Yeah, it's just so miserable. So, But I, I do want to be like... You know, it. this makes me bummed that like we don't have Deadly Dispute because I would love to have these two cards in the same deck, but... Uh, I haven't looked through how to build a Mondrak deck, but if I wanted to have fun in Standard, it's one of the things I'd be looking for now. <laughs> yeah. It goes really well with multiple of the best cards in Standard, Fable of the Mirror Breaker and Wedding Announcement. Wedding Announcement, yeah. So all Really, really good with Wedding Announcement because of the, the Anthem effect. Yeah, like we're already doing really powerful things with token making cards and so if you get to put this in a deck that's also all good magic cards then that's a really powerful place to be potentially only downside is it's legendary you can't like do the double anointed procession thing but yeah it is also an indestructible 4-4 which is its own kind of battlefield pressure <laughs> yeah and you tend to be winning just fine when you have like anointed procession going so one of the neat things is that it, this is actually kind of hard to kill if you play it on turn five with a mana open and creatures because mm -hmm. they there's not really a good window to kill it yeah and hopefully that means that you don't really have to pay the four life because that's like right quite if a you're bit. forced to pay the four life it kind of sucks but at least you're get always getting a card on their hand yeah plus these white decks with tokens are typically pretty defensive you're you probably have life to spare yeah true unless your, all your tokens weakness is closing the game as long as your tokens can block Yes, the the Skrill's High or whatever the White Bitter Blossom's called. Yeah, not a card. That's not what I'm trying to combine with this. Not, not so much. All right, I'm going to have us talk about Jace the Perfected Mind. Okay. So this is two, a blue, and a Phyrexian blue. It's a completed Planeswalker. The art detail of him doing the Jace the Mind Sculptor thing, but the word between his hands is in Phyrexian script. I'm into that. That was well done. So he's got five loyalty. At four mana, he's got three loyalty at three mana and two life. Uh, three abilities plus one until your next turn. Up to one target creature gets minus three, minus O. Oh. Minus two, target player mills three cards. Then if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards. Otherwise, you draw a card. And minus X, target player mills three times X cards. So where do you fall in this card? Like, do you think... I've heard 
a lot of things about it. Yeah, I this is a card that I'm excited to try. Planeswalkers are so hard for me to like Evaluate, predict yeah. these days. I feel like something with the like War of the Spark flip where like creatures started getting really, really good in like War and then Throne of Eldraine and then it became like our heuristics for if a Planeswalker will be good, like kind of changed around completely. Uh, I think Jace does kind of like meet the new paradigm in some ways in that like you can kind of just use him as a sorcery sometimes if you really care about graveyard stuff like I'm under pressure I'm just gonna like mill myself for nine in my graveyard deck and then maybe that will do something depending on what graveyard stuff you're doing it's possible that this is like a pioneer phoenix card I, you probably can't run like a bunch of this and a bunch of uh, pieces of the puzzle that's like a lot of overlap but the kind of like multi-mode thing where this can be like a three mana mill myself for a bunch or it can be a card drawing thing in a slower game there's there's some flexibility here you definitely want to be doing graveyardy stuff if you ever have 20 cards in your graveyard and you get to just draw three with it that's nuts but 20 cards is uh an enormous amount of cards it it's a tall order you do it does let you like key off your opponent's graveyard if you mill them or they are doing their graveyard stuff too yeah that's pretty neat but uh i think this card is going to shine in formats or just like phases of the format where cards like mold drifter or reflector mage are really good like cards that aren't spread bodies are really threatening mm-hmm. like i don't think this is good if you're playing against fable of mirror breaker or wedding announcement yeah. because the plus one doesn't do anything <laughs> not really but if they're if they're playing a card to draw a card like a river finder or whatever shutting off their creature actually does something because you're representing your card has matched theirs and you're going to get more cards in the future mm-hmm. and they still have to deal with your jays yeah and i mean it's pretty cheap at that so you know right if they have played a creature and you get to just minus three minus oh it and that matters then you're kind of it's pretty efficient for that job. Yeah, minus three minus O is is a pretty big stat drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking from how often Jace Telepath Unbound has done well against my battlefield. Right. <laughs> and that's only minus two minus O. Yeah, I am optimistic about this card. I definitely want to try it. I have no promises, though. <laughs> you probably want to be doing some hefty graveyard stuff to really make this thing shine. That's where I think it's kind of a hard line to tread. The, the mode of like, and you have to be like pretty confident that this will work out in order to like commit to it, but the mode of that's like three mana, stop an attacker for a turn, untap, mill myself for 12 in decks that are like, that can take advantage of graveyard cards, have delve spells or whatever, like 12 cards is a huge number. Yeah, this is ironically a card that would be quite good in something like Kethus if that existed. Mm, yeah it's a, a legendary card that puts itself into the graveyard and fuels your graveyard yeah but uh, we can get away from that because Kethis doesn't exist and but and also it would like, be a, a win condition for the deck so you could like be very efficient with your slots yeah exactly which is kind of why i think the jace as a fair card that uses the graveyard to draw more cards is kind of hard to handle mm-hmm. because if you're doing graveyard stuff that wants you to just spend mana to put cards from your deck into your graveyard you basically have a huge hurdle to 
the mana you're spending on basically doing nothing winning you the game yeah like vengevise narcomibas or whatever right and if that's the case the like drawing cards mode of jace it's gonna be hard to kind of fit that in or how to see that be relevant you know that's why delve is really strong a really strong example right but also i think that there might be like a couple of different ways that this card gets put into decks and i think uh you know there might be just like this is a flexible card that can help enable my graveyard stuff and also give card advantage but there's also like i'm a pretty dedicated graveyard deck like i have a lot of delve spells or whatever this is mostly going to be a way to put a lot of cards in the graveyard because you know if you minus exit it also puts itself in so you get like a lot of card if you just want raw cardboard in your graveyard this puts a lot into your graveyard but then when my opponent has a ley line of the void out or whatever if they're attacking my graveyard then this is just a planeswalker that like i can cast removal spells on their stuff i can play this for four mana i can draw some cards i can shut down an attacker and yeah my graveyard's shut down but like this card that otherwise would have been pieces of the puzzle or whatever that's just like okay when i don't have access to my graveyard is actively doing things that lets me like swap game plans and that that to me is like a pretty exciting concept for a card in a graveyard deck that's fair i i would be behind trying it out in phoenix I would be a little worried about the two life adding up. Sure. <laughs> for like the minimal cards. Like these of the puzzles, a lot of cards. Yeah. Uh, and three mana Jace, you're losing two life on top of that and you're just drawing a card. Yeah. I mean, I think it fits like the thing that I am actually excited about is like trying to fit this into a, a very different build of Phoenix that's also running like the spell dancer that we talked about last week because that triggers off of non-creature sure. spells. spell dancer. Yeah. And I, you know, this is probably all just like kind of worse than the the default build, which has been worked on by many people and kind of perfected. But, you know, these are neat things to try that could attack the format from different angles. Yeah, sure. I'm always down for experimentation. You got to try stuff, even if it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, for sure. Yep. But I, I do agree that like in standard, the this as a three drop matches a really badly against your opponent's fable or wedding announcement. There are other three drops. Yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty miserable. But those cards won't be legal forever. That's you know? true. And Jace, Jace is legal for an extra year. Okay, I'm gonna pick a card that you put on this document. <laughs> okay, Phyrexian Arena. It's oh, a yeah. oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It's just Phyrexian Arena. 1BB enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep. You lose life and draw a card. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it does. Um, Honestly, this this is going to sound really silly, but okay. like I would have just automatically kind of written this off and been like, yeah, prove it. Magic cards have come a long way since Apocalypse. And, and, and you know, like generally paying mana to cast a spell that just draws you cards is not good. But like we're not like casting Concentrate and stuff like that like we get our card advantage off of stuff that's adding to the board so all of that like i accept and makes it not very likely that phyrexian arena a slow value engine that also costs you life and like needs the game to go on for many turns i i totally get all of that and i'm not saying like this card is definitely going to be good i was very pleasantly surprised by how much this card stands up in uh the arena cube these days just like you throw cards at your opponent's cards and then you just like keep going and if you have the right 
number of efficient cards to pair with this and you can just throw cardboard at cardboard and this keeps you going the cards are all better but also this is drawing you your better cards as long as you have enough and the math works out I don't think it's super likely it's hard to pay three mana for this and just say go and like hope for the best so probably not but there is the, it has more legs than I kind of like would have thought just like Frexerian is getting a reprint oh big deal I'm in the oh big deal camp <laughs> yeah I, I would describe a lot of the cube experience to like kind of the cube environment mm -hmm. you only get one of each card <laughs> right and if you can only play one fable with a mirror breaker and uh, yes. you like need another card advantage card i mean sure yeah i'm gonna play for x arena because it's the other well, one i have so fable is actually like one of the cards that i'm thinking of as like like i've i've had that exact matchup multiple times like in cube so what it what, like the problem with fable is it just like gives you all of this value but if you if they go fable and you're like ah, crap i have to spend like multiple removal spells to deal with that thing but Frex Arena just like buys you the cards to allow you to do that without feeling like you've just like dumpstered yourself card advantage wise. I totally get it. It is a tempo negative play that costs you life and is just a card drawing spell. If this goes nowhere, I will be the least surprised, but I will be at least thinking about it when I'm looking at like, what is the total number of like cheap removal spells and hand disruption stuff that I can like put into a deck? I, I I still have to be convinced of this one. Yeah, of course. The thing, of course. I, I get I get it in cube. I really do because <laughs> it does it does sound fine there. But when you're like building a deck and constructed, and you want a Phyrexian Arena to match your opponent's Fable, like in cube, I can see it where you know you deal with their Fable with your Phyrexian Arena and the cards it gives you back. You're like rebuying that, and all not all their cards are going to be Fables. Like they can't play another one. Yeah, they have to get their card advantage from somewhere else. But in Constructed, they could play another one. And you can also just draw another Phyrexian Arena because you do have to put multiple in your deck if you're trying to draw It's true, one. and that is a huge problem. You you draw, the, and it's like you just didn't draw a card that turn, yeah. Right, and that's that's kind of where I kind of feel it landing. Right. So, yeah, yeah you I'm, can't, I'm not You can't simultaneously build around it and also have enough copies that it's not messing itself up like yeah i i totally right. get that and so maybe there's just no way of making it work the only time i was gonna say in recent history but this isn't even recent history the land enchantment from theros that's like a fraction arena kind of yes i cannot remember what it's called right now underworld connections yes that's right that just keyed off of the devotion stuff and let you play great merchants and stuff like that while being in a Thoughtseize control deck. It also had haste if you played it after turn three. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's the only kind of card comparable that's seen play mm -hmm. since. Yeah. That, that was a while ago. Variations. And that was, Theros came out in like, I don't know, 2013, 2014. Yeah. Had to be 2013. Listen, I'm not holding my breath, but all, all I'm saying is like, this is not as quick a dismissal as like I I I think is is easy to say, but I you know I'm not too worried about getting crushed by Phyrexian arenas left and right in standard. Yeah, we'll we'll see if there's a slower format out there. Mm -hmm. the The problem is when like other people's card advantage engines are like tenacious underdog and it's like oh well now i'm just <laughs> taking four damage a turn in this mid-range mirror and another problem is like you can't really ever 
go down to eight because then you'll just like die to a couple of shielded triggers over the course of a game and stuff like there's just it's tough it's tough it's a tough world to be for Exian arena for sure oh next card uh i want to talk about vrain vran i don't know how to pronounce v-r-a-a-n vran executioner <laughs> thane uh one in a black for a two two legendary phyrexian vampire Whenever one or more other creatures you control die, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. This ability triggers only once each turn. So they are gating how much you can do this, but they're gating it because two life is so much life to drain off of a creature dying. Yeah, it is. And if you can kind of like control your sacrifices, like if you're doing like cat oven and then other stuff with, you know, deadly dispute type things or whatever like that you know if you sacrifice a creature on your turn and sacrifice a creature on their turn they're dead in like two turn cycles the problem with this card is i don't know where you like play it fair like that Mm -hmm. like the cat oven thing is a really good example like vrand would do really well on that deck but also we don't get cat oven very often or ever hopefully yeah, or ever, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, we do have Oni called Anvil in Standard, and there's, like, a lot of artifact creatures in this set, including the fact that, like, the Mites are all artifact creatures, so you can sacrifice them to Oni called Anvil, and, you know, I don't know how many colors we're doing or whatever, but I think it's very possible that there's just a, a stack of cards that you can put together with this thing, and it works. I'm willing to entertain it, because I do like killing people with triggers. <laughs> I just... I don't know something about it is holding me back i don't know whether it's just a grizzly bear like a legendary grizzly bear is kind of doing it for me <laughs> yeah it's hard to put four of these in your deck that's for sure right it's got to okay. be good enough that it's like a must kill on site it for you to do that which it, i mean you know two life every time one of your guys dies is like it doesn't say non-token on it right like i'd almost rather have a, a legendary two one zool park cutthroat or something I mean, maybe. I don't know. Like, this plus... Just Oni Call Anvil plus this, like, is just on your turn. You tap the Oni Call Anvil, sacrifice the Construct, drain them for three. That's just two no, two-mana cards. It, it does sound good. And you can use your extra mana to interact on the turn you play the second one. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Cast a cut down. Speaking of which, are all the spell bombs in this set, like, completely disappointing to you? Because I was looking forward to another cycle of spell bombs once I saw that there was a spell bomb in the set. And they all just kind of suck. I don't know what you mean by a spell bomb. I know there are five skull bombs in this set. Oh, sorry. Skull bombs. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> what a silly mistake to make. <laughs> I think they're in the shape of like the Praetor's heads or something. Or... Or just like creatures that are like the Praetor. I know that the the white one looks like Elish Norn, but... Well, it's because half of the white cards look like Elish Norn. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like the blue one is literally just a bunch of eye stalks. Yeah, I guess that's not Jin Gitaxis. Almost every single white card in the set is like, how can we make Elish Norn just like a different shape? And then they did that. (laughs) So the Doom Traveler is just a triangle with a bunch of faces <laughs> that yeah that one is like freaky looking that is some silent hill stuff the skull bombs they're all one man to cast they all have one and sacrifice it to draw a card and then they have like a two or three mana colored ability that has a moderate effect and draws a card so you always get your card out of it 
Yeah, I mean, I think they're mostly just there as, like, you can stick this into your deck if you really need to up your cheap artifact count, and then you can cycle it away when it's not doing anything, and maybe sometimes it does something. So, yeah, they're not, like, they're not real exciting. The most offensive is the blue Skull Bomb, which compares directly to either Spell Bomb, because it's also a bounce card, but you can only use it at sorcery speed. <laughs> yeah, that's... It's not going to replace either Spellbomb in any decks anytime soon. I, I was just disappointed. I, I didn't even expect Spellbombs to be in the set at all. But then I saw one and I'm like, oh, a, a skull bomb. This will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think these are ones that are specifically to fill that role of getting your artifact count up in like standard decks. If you just really need limited decks. Yeah. And, and yeah, limited decks for sure, but they are acceptable. Just like one mana artifacts that you can sacrifice for a card when you don't need them to be in play being an artifact. I'm a pretty big fan of the black and green ones for limited play. Those look like pretty impactful. Or I'm sorry, the white and the black ones yeah. for limited play. The one that goes flying and the one that just is a regrowth. Yes. And actually I bet the red one just puts two oil counters on a thing. And I'm sure there are decks that are like, really excited to be able to draw a card and put two two oil counters on a thing yeah i would have to take more of a deeper dive into how oil counters work in limited because mm -hmm. i'm not super i haven't like looked at this in that eye yet yeah they appear to do quite a bit there's a like two four flyer that like gets an oil counter whenever you cast a non-creature spell and then you can remove three oil counters to draw a card and then like discard a card and deal damage to something equal to its three damage to a creature oh, oh it's just it's just three damage okay yeah it's, there's a lot of ways to convert oil counters and some of the cards in the set just treat oil counters as if they were plus one plus one <laughs> which counters. is funny for a set that doesn't have plus one plus one <laughs> counters in it explicitly yeah yeah no plus one plus one counters in the set also wizards R and D. and here's uh here's pelt collector slant copy <laughs> yeah pelt collector but it uses oil counters uh, I wanted to say experiment one. That's the card. Yeah, it's very close to experiment one. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I guess it is slightly closer to experiment one than pelt collector, but it's just a little worse than each, but still definitely good enough for standard if there's a green aggro deck. It's also a warrior for you know your your hammer equipping shenanigans. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more along like, man, if the mono green werewolf pack leader ogro churl decks could have started with a pelt collector those decks would have been really brutal yeah okay i want to find a card to talk about do it what's well, a neat one how about armored scrap gorger since we're talking about some oil counters yeah this is a 1g 0-3 phyrexian beast armored scrap gorger has plus three plus oh as long as it has three or more oil counters on it it taps to add one man of any color and whenever it becomes tapped, you can exile a card from a graveyard and put an oil counter on Armored Scapgorger. So it's kind of like a Utopia Tree. It's an 03 for two. Oh, Utopia time... Tree was an 02. I know it's an 02. But no one, very few people are going to know what Utopia that Tree card is. That card was a rare. For like 15 years. And that card was a rare and saw healthy play. And yeah, and it was cool. But this one is so, it's really cool of family of like the paradise druid and such like the two mana fixes any color doesn't just have for green those always kind of suck yeah uh but this one's also incidental graveyard hate and it can eventually attack like this is doing a lot for just like an uncommon dude it really is it's like paradise druid and carven chariot are gonna like 
be the best of those for forever. Or Sylvan Carrington, yeah. Not not the the one that draws a card. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It's a two five. It can't die. So good. I I mean, Paradise Druid and Sylvan Carrington are just like going to be the best ones because your opponent can't kill them when you need to cast your forge up on turn three. But this is a really cool way of giving us a bunch of stuff. And it does a lot of things that incidental graveyard hate. There's a lot of little graveyardy things that happen and is nice to be able to just stop them with your mana creature. And then, yeah, sometimes maybe it like blocks and trades for something or can threaten to attack. I don't think that like eventually becoming a three, three is like, it takes a lot of time it's, for it to become a three, three, but yeah, it's just a facet of the card yeah. not to be overlooked rather than like, well, I'm going to get this to be a three, three ace as soon as possible. Uh, Cause a lot of the times you just like won't want to attack with it. Yeah. Yes, I mean, a lot of times the 3-3 will be completely outmoded on the board and the mana is much better. But uh, Or keeping it open to exit a card from a graveyard if that's relevant. Yeah, and I mean, it's just enough things in addition to the base mode of two mana, mana guy that makes mana of any color and doesn't die to shock is like enough to sell me on. If we're ramping, this is a way to do it. I wonder what the flavor of this card adding mana is because it's like a beast it's standing up very imposing it's not like a druid it's not a tree or a bird like why how does it add mana well the flavor text uh it sorts eat sort eat sort eat so sorting must have something it's sorting through scrap it's getting mana from the scrap oh it's eating scrap and excreting the graveyard ability yeah Yeah, it's excreting mana okay it's gotta be it yeah perfect great Although it does make mana even if there isn't anything in the graveyard to exile, which is very important because that would be a lot worse. Yeah, you know, the flavor's not perfect. It's still a magic card. (laughs) Probably will see play as long as green decks are something that you want to be doing, which has not been the case for a little bit. But yeah, very black centric format right now. It is a very black centric format. And unfortunately, (laughs) cut down does just kill this for one mana. And that like feels pretty bad when that happens. I think that making mana of any color is really helpful because very likely if you are a green deck, you're going to want to be a bunch of other colors to get some of the good cards from those colors in there. So this helps with that. Plus, being able to go to two to four with a lot, like the reason I don't like uh, two mana green ramp cards that just tap for green mana is they don't let you play multicolored four drops very well. And this does. And it like i like that (laughs) there's a lot of four drops in the set planeswalkers included phyrexian mana cards included Mm -hmm. that you can just like fit into your deck better if you are interested in this kind of little mana guy yeah there's also some like multicolored jund cards that have been tough to really make work like riveteer's charm and whatever it's called to unleash the inferno the one that like kills a thing and naturalizes another thing unleash the inferno i think and, you know, being able to make many, mana of any color helps with your Jund colored deck. Uh, another card? Yes, feed feed me another card. Yeah, what do we want to talk about? It'd be easier if we were going in order. We could just pick the next one. Yes. <laughs> eh. um, all right, this is a pretty speculative one. This is Mind Splice Apparatus. Three and a blue for an artifact. With Flash, at the beginning of your upkeep, put an oil counter on Mind Splice Apparatus. Instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast for each oil counter on Mind Splice Apparatus. 
this mostly seems too expensive, too clunky and weird to be a thing that you want to do. But I am thinking about just like how interesting this would have been in like epiphany decks if you would have wanted to play it over big score and stuff. I I, I think that the, if you're doing big, weird stuff like that, then this could be really powerful. Also, it's using oil counters. So if you pl proliferate it all and there's like a two mana spell that proliferates and draws a card. And if you end step this and then cast that, that only costs one mana. And now you've like, you know, gotten this up to two counters. You know, there's cute stuff here. I don't know how many big expensive spells you want in your deck with this, but also it does have flash. So you can hold up and represent like, do I have a counter spell? Do I have a draw to do I have mind's place apparatus that like gets down and is going to make this game like really hard for you to win because now my spells are all cheap. Like that's kind of cute. I don't know what deck exactly you build around it, but it's probably blue and red and I'm probably kind of in love with it. A uh, couple things. The the two mana draw card proliferate card isn't that an anticipate draw card or anticipate proliferate? Oh yeah, the the two the one I'm thinking of puts a poison counter and draws a card. So yeah, it's anticipate and proliferate. Like that's especially if you have any other synergy. Like that's a pretty decent card. Yeah, the other problem I have with this card is more conceptually. <laughs> like I do I do like the card. Uh, it's just that. Nowadays, we get most of our card advantage from enchantments and artifacts and planes, like onboard stuff. I know, but maybe this would let us to... cast more instants and sorceries. And it's off the heels of a multicolored set with a lot of like built-in card advantage stuff. And this card does not work very well with double, triple colored yeah, cards. <laughs> I know. Yeah, a lot of the cards that cost like black blue white are not getting their cost reduced by mind splice apparatus so you have to be looking far afield to and and i'm kind of worried that if artifacts are good people will include incidental artifact hate in their decks and stuff like that and it really sucks to get your engine just like killed because your opponent's trying to do something against it that a is a pretty deck. right yeah and i mean i think that that is a way that i probably need to adjust my card evaluation stuff because you know you tend to think of artifacts and enchantments as very likely to stick around and i think that that has become less true especially as more of them are playable than you are incentivized to put incidental ways to kill them another thing that really makes me sad about this is the way that it like doesn't work well with memory deluge yeah that is rough <laughs> every every counter is one less card you have to look at yeah so, I mean, probably a little bit of a pipe dream, but like, especially without having access to a card like All Runs Epiphany, which I think they're going to really avoid for a while. But yeah. the thing that like makes me think this could do something is like, I would have been really pumped to try this out in an All Runs Epiphany deck. I would have been like, this is the breaker. Like, this is what makes this deck go from like very good to just absolutely unbeatable. Yeah, I think there would there's like an intended to be a combo between Mind Plus Apparatus and some of the the Sun cards, like especially the black one. Oh, sure. But that's kind of cute, but I don't know how many of those you can put into a deck. Right. Like the black one's kind of the only one that's any good with it. Well, like the blue one isn't. I think the blue one is like 
medium playable sideboardable or whatever but it's not like i really want to cast this for so much mana it's an entrancing melody with upside yeah and it doesn't the upside doesn't work on legendary creatures because it makes a copy of the creature right if x is five or more <laughs> i know and there's so many legendary creatures in this set yeah especially we just finished talking not too long ago about a legendary grizzly bear so you know <laughs> If that's an indication of how many legendary creatures there are in a set. One thing I do like about Blue Sun's Twilight, though, is anything that creates a token as its, like, primary way of getting value, like, this is pretty good against that. Like, if somebody plays a fable and you just steal the goblin, like, that's not bad at all. No, it's not. Especially since the mana from the goblin is so good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It's it's a niche card. I don't know. I the, I can see it currently only doing things with the sun, the twilights. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't remember any other big spells that are worth trying to cast with your mind splice apparatus. But if they do print something like a time warp effect that costs a lot of mana, and you can kind of build around it, like you got all runs epiphany, mind splice apparatus seems fine there. It's just you have to be careful about the whole this is an artifact and people probably want to kill those type deal. Yeah. At least you get to end step it. And then, you know, so it's not yeah, like yeah. I'm investing my main phase four mana on this passing the turn. You get to build the whole <laughs> turn around dealing with this. And like the, the flash on it is a big selling point. No, it is. I think it's the only thing that makes play. Oh yeah. I, I would sure. not <laughs> even have looked at this card if it didn't have flash. And, and, and uh, you know, I still don't think it's likely to get there, but it gets the wheels turning. But dreams, you got to dream big. Yeah, and this card dreams really big. Uh, I'm going to dream super small with the next card. That's fine. That is more <laughs> likely to lead us to a playable card. Well, this is bring the ending. So it's a one or a blue for instant. Counter target spell unless it's controller pays two. Mm-hmm. I'm already uh, mostly in. And like really, Quench okay. isn't great, but as long as this has more text. It does have Vortex. It has Corrupted. <laughs> so if that spell's controller has three or more poison counters, you just counter it instead. So Neat, yeah. Uh, I don't know how we're getting these poison counters on them necessarily, but... I'm going to do a little scryfall search for poison on the, the They've cards. planted like this sort of mid-rangey, controly, corrupted deck in here bring the ending becomes counter spell for one in a blue if they have three poison counters distorted curiosity is a divination that costs two less if they have three or more poison counters you know there's a couple of like decent payoffs if you can get them up there and then you just kind of need to figure out how to do it i don't know if you can run the like typhoid rats with toxic and put that into your deck i know there's a spell that costs two mana, gives them a poison counter, and you draw a card, and there is... That card's an instant. Prologue to Phyresis. That's that's helpful. There's also a Venser Corpse Puppet, I think is the name, which is probably part of a deck that's trying to like be mid-range or controly and do this. That's a blue-black for a 1-3 lifelink toxic one. Whenever you proliferate, choose one. You can create a 3-3 legendary token legendary artifact token and you can or you can give an artifact creature flying in lifelink until end of turn which is just a ton of text for this like two mana one three that probably doesn't isn't that great but might be the the weirdest vince is such a weird card to me i guess we're just like talking about a random collection of cards now but vince i think that none of these cards make any sense without the context of all of the other cards so like UB13 Lifelink Toxic One is, is fine. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird, but whatever. 
And then it's like, whenever you proliferate, and then you read the card again, it's like, wait, this card doesn't proliferate. I have to do that with other cards. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, if it proliferated on its own somehow for this, like, two-mana acceptable 1-3 sort of, I, yes. I've played with Lazav. UB 1-3 is not super sexy. No, it's not. And this never becomes a Kethys. I don't know. I'm 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 look I'm kind of looking through the black cards that give poison counters to creatures and there's not a lot, unfortunately. There's a lot of cards with corrupted, but most of the cards that give a poison counter are like three mana edict that each opponent gets a poison counter. There's a three mana another card draw spell. You draw two cards, lose two life, each opponent gets a poison counter. And these are like very slow. Yeah. So then, then I have to look at like the toxic creatures in blue and black. So and I Vincer's... think the, the main ones are like Venser. There is a Typhoid Rats with toxic. There's a blue black two one flyer with toxic, and it like comes back from your graveyard to your hand when you proliferate, which is not the most constructed relevant text I've ever seen how, on a how magic card. How are we art. proliferating? How are we proliferating? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the anticipate is. I don't know how many prologues to Phoresis and then the Anticipate with Proliferate you can put into a magic deck. So I am not sure that the pieces all come together into like a, I can look at an opening hand and not be just like mortified about what I'm about to have to do. This whole discussion reminds me of the Demir Spybug conversation right. when that set was coming out. <laughs> you can't put this many limited uncommons into a Magic the Gathering deck. <laughs> it's like, I get what we're doing here. We're like, we see the keywords and we're putting them in our deck and we're like, have that aspiration to win a game with Demir Spybug. Yeah, meanwhile, your opponent casts a Doomblade and a Shield Druid and you just can't ever beat that. <laughs> I, and I'm yeah, I'm just kind of struggling to see how my limited deck measures up to their cards. Oh, they're playing mythic rares in their deck. That doesn't seem well, hold on. fair at I, all. I must have made a mistake somewhere in deck construction. <laughs> if only I could pinpoint where that went wrong. Yeah. No, I agree. This deck, this like whole kit of cards, isn't super coming together for me. But they clearly tried to set something up. Yeah, uh, proliferate is a very strong ability. It just it's got a lot of stuff it does. Mm -hmm. So if they continue along this path of supporting it in the next couple sets or what have you, I could buy the anticipate proliferate card being good. That one is like pushed. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, what are we gonna do with it? In the first Mirrodin set, or I think it was um, Mirrodin Besieged, Sphere of the Suns was a card. Oh, yeah, true. Which was a two-mana artifact that came into play tapped with a few counters on it. And you could remove the counters to add a mana. It was a mana rock. Mm -hmm. And Proliferate was really good because you could like proliferate um, that card to keep your mana engine going and your other stuff, like your Planeswalkers and your Tumble Magnets to control the board and stuff <laughs> like that. If they do stuff like this... I could see, especially with that anticipate, which seems very uh, good mm -hmm. if you can. If you have put stuff it that works with it, yeah. What is that card called? I yeah, we should up. probably call it something. Experimental augury. The amount of time they spent trying to get us to play with anticipate, and then they gave us anticipate plus proliferate for free. Like, yeah, anticipate was just not good enough. Yeah. So I, I, these cards, they don't do it for me. They're too Demir Spybug. Right. But 
I'm holding on to experimental augury, and I'm I agree looking at any cards with charge counters and stuff like that. Poison counters, I'm not super into. They seem very whatever the opposite of pushed is pulled. Yes, <laughs> they're right. That, that's tough. No charge counters though. It's all oil counters, which are just kind of the same thing a little bit. Yeah, more charge flavorful. counter, oil counter, just something that I can convert one resource into another. So you brought up Sphere of the Suns. I'm going to bring up the <laughs> closest one that we've got here, which is Tablet of Completion. Two mana artifact, tap, put an oil counter on Tablet of Completion. Tap, add a colorless, activate only if it has two or more oil, two or more oil counters on it. And one tap, draw card, activate only if Tablet of Completion has five or more oil counters on it. This card, I think, is... I think the most exciting thing about this card is that it like really makes farewell a lot better because it makes it a lot less of a six mana card and more of a castable card against a board of stuff that's happening to you. But you know, this comes down on turn two, it starts making mana on turn four and then eventually it's like a win, you know, eventually it just like gives you card advantage in a game that's gone long. It's not just a, a mana rock sitting there like, after enough time, it'll start drawing you cards, which is really good in your farewell deck. I think this has stuff that it can do. I want this card to be good, but don't you ever compare it to Spirit of the Suns again. <laughs> <laughs> this card not being able to, you know, you play it on turn two, then you untap on turn three and do stuff with it. You still have to wait another turn. Yeah, I mean, they don't give us two. those anymore. I, I understand. I get it. But they could. I'd be down. <laughs> Got to ramp to those four mana cards a little faster, you know? Well, the four mm. mana cards are really good. So that's that's one of the reasons that they don't give us Mind Stones anymore. I want my games to be over. <laughs> I don't. I want to cast Farewell and then eventually draw cards with my Tablet of Completion. That's that's what I'm aiming for with this thing. That's where I don't like this card because it's really good. Not really good. It's serviceably good mm -hmm. on turn two. Every turn you draw it after that right. is like you're so oh far God. away from actually using it. Yeah, that's I think that's the the huge drawback with it because you it's not like a maze mind tome where you draw it later in the game and you're just like all right two mana two more mana draw a card. Yeah, it takes a long it time to do get that. To the... It's two mana. All right, um, in five turns we'll draw a card. Yeah, you know maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, I I get that. I I totally get that, and that is. There's just really nothing good to do with it when you like draw it on turn four of the game or so you're just so far from being able to use it for anything good. And I, I think that's absolutely the downside and maybe the thing that will drag it down. But if you do cast this on turn two and your deck is set up to like play a long game and take advantage of this mana going forward from starting on turn four, like I think that the, the ceiling is pretty high for what it's doing here. I, I also think this is one of the shining examples of a card i do want in a proliferate control e deck yeah because then your your second copy of tablet of completion isn't really that much of a downside if you can proliferate it up faster not you're just not waiting every turn to put a counter on it that's true that makes a lot of sense and maybe it's just like playing augury as like a decent card that has you know you have a couple of planeswalkers in your deck too and so then there's just enough things that it is anticipate plus 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 yeah you, you i want to get something out of it and i'm still waiting to see if there's a card i can proliferate that also affects the board 
because that's what's gonna make or break it sure like i can't just like play thrumming birds or whatever and expect to proliferate my tablets of completion and that's going to be good enough or my silexes or what have you need something that actually impacts the board with counters Mm -hmm. like a planeswalker yeah wait how does how does sagas enter you can if you play a saga and proliferate it whenever you add a counter yeah you the next ability triggers immediately yeah so i mean sagas could be a thing with proliferating as well yeah the the timing window is kind of weird it is and the fact that they all they get a counter already, like you, you don't have to invest in them to get. You don't. You're not getting more out of a saga. You're just getting it faster. Yeah, but I mean, Magic is a game of getting your resources into. You know, I also love the idea of like somebody killing a saga and you proliferating to flip. You know, exile it to and flip, flip it. To exile yeah. it. <laughs> I kind of want to mention that a card I don't like. To make something like tablet location good is something like furnace skull bomb i do not want to invest a card oh, no. with the explicit no, 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 purpose no, no, no. of putting counters on this that's where i think you're you're just going wrong no i i agree completely okay i'm gonna hit the last of the green cards because i'm a big it. fan of green guards we got thrun breaker of silence my boy thrun 3gg for 5-5 legendary troll shaman can't be countered can't be the target of non-green spells your opponents control or abilities from non-green sources your opponents control trample and as long as you're it's your turn thrun is indestructible so a thrun that is in the thrun vein but is weirdly weak to green cards this time i don't i don't get where that comes from but whatever well i think it's yeah it, it can only be killed by like putrefies at uh, uh, targeted removal wise it, it takes like a putrefy or a Unleash the Inferno type card. Or a, a fight. A fight spell. card. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but it doesn't super matter because yeah. Thrun is pretty much a sideboard against blue or black decks. Yep. Where it's really hard to deal with Thrun because he's very difficult to kill. Yes. And against green decks, he was serviceable. Like Right, but that's not the big point. Creature, of... But that's not, his, that's not why he's there. Right. I don't love that he dies to your opponent's wraths and farewells and whatever they've got going on. Eh, that's not too different from the last time Thrones in Standard. No, for... but like this is a five mana creature. This like in, that's true. in this world of like when do we even cast five mana spells in Standard? Like all of these mid range decks that go forever also top out at four mana. Maybe we'll find room for like Phyrexian mana spells. We'll just have extra mana and pump the, the mana into those. <laughs> Our Phyrexian planeswalkers. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate this, and I can definitely see there being a swath of decks that it's like, yeah, this is good against this Esper deck and this deck over here, and that's enough things that I want, like, two copies of this in my sideboard. In play, it's, like, kind of embarrassing against some of the other in-play stuff. Like, if they have a Shieldred and you have a Thrun, you're just losing that game. Yeah, that's frustrating. I also don't like the, like, this is a Putrefy. It's a green-black card, but I can still kill Thrun with it. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know how many of those are going to be like relevant or around. And it, it kind of like doesn't really matter because you're just looking at the decks that people are playing, the removal spells that people are playing, and like what the board states generally look like. And if it's like, yes, I want my turn five to be slam this down against these decks, then this goes in your sideboard. I also don't know how many decks nowadays are relying on like permission based game plans against screen decks. Yeah, I mean, there's a fair number of make disappears just like that get played 
because like it's yeah. a good card and the grixis decks want to answer more expensive spells with this cheap spell but that's not like a i'm holding up in three or four mana on your po- right my opponent's turn right nobody's trying to cancel you out of the game or anything like that yeah and that's where thrun is like you know, slip through all that crap and just i'm in the battlefield right yeah i mean if you want thrun you'll know it that's all i'm less excited about thrun than the the tyranex for sure sure yeah bigger creatures are better bigger number kind better of creature. weird to have them both in the same set i guess well you can't have a here set without thrun <laughs> well the first one <laughs> <laughs> well there were way more trolls yeah than thrun and i mean we had troll ascetic which thrun was an homage to so yeah that like that all checks out i guess in the story all the all the trolls went home uh, at the end of fifth dawn except for thrun like the elves in lord of the rings like the elves in mirrodin too oh everybody's <laughs> yeah i mean i would get out of mirrodin if i could i guess everyone left at the end of fifth dawn who wasn't born on mirrodin mm, i guess it's my turn yeah yeah i gotta stop talking about mirrodin laura so we can get more <laughs> cards <laughs> so there is a card called all all will be one they said the name of the set they did is they that said the name it of the set? oh yeah it is it's very exciting. I love it when they say the name of the set. This is three red red for an enchantment. Whenever you put one or more counters on a permanent or player, all will be one deals that much damage to target opponent, creature and opponent controls, or planeswalker and opponent controls. You know, this is just another in a long, long line of like five mana red enchantments that like do really goofy stuff. I I feel like it's cute that when you pol- proliferate, you like get a bunch of little triggers. And so you can do one, 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 one. If you are lucky enough to be proliferating onto that many permanents, which probably means you're doing just fine. The funniest thing about this card is that you can cast it and then play Dark Depths and 20 somebody, but they've already banned Dark Depths for other reasons. So that, it's just cute that there would be such a combo with it, but it's already banned. Is that? Is that true about proliferate? This says whenever you put one or more counters on a permanent player, I think it's just one trigger, no matter how many counters you put. And then the damage is how many counters you put on things. Right. But if you things. proliferate onto four things, then you'd get four triggers. Oh, well, it's, it counts the permanence. Okay, yeah, I yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. It's confused. This is also a five mana enchantment. That doesn't do anything <laughs> until you untap with it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Also, the flavor text broke me. It just has words in it that don't make any sense and yeah it's just like textbook bad fantasy writing yeah i'm not even gonna read it y'all can look it up if you want yeah i highly encourage you not to look it up but it's there if you want to day will be worse (laughs) i i just i love the idea of casting this and then putting dark depths into play and 20ing somebody with it i think that's really funny to me but yes this card isn't good it does have that combo kill right i saw i think frank karsten post something about it there's a lot of combo kills that involve a five mana enchantment right yeah that's why i don't remember it because i'm not trying to play five mana red enchantments and don't do anything <laughs> that's what we have the elder dragon war for is that the five mana red enchantment that does something is that the that's one a four mana red enchantment that does something okay even better speaking of disappointing cards with counters involved in them do it Koth. Fire of the Resistance. God. Koth is how far the mighty have fallen. It's such a shame because there's magic has grown so much. It's like 2011 or whatever. Mm-hmm. When Koth was like the red card. Yeah. Like Yeah. It it ran through the format. Koth was so good and so iconic. I ulted a lot of Koths at that 
stage of in that standard format and it was very satisfying to do that yeah i died to a lot of mountains pinging me forever because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> if you if you could deal with the the lands attacking you the coffin ulted like so quickly and just killed you with their lands anyway one of the most obnoxious like tech technically not like you win the game ultimate emblems but like yes obviously you win the game it's just like going to take a little while and maybe if it's not actually dealing lethal fast enough they have to like ping some of your creatures down and it just like takes forever and it's like i can't beat this why am i what am i doing here at least like with chandra torch of defiance it's like spell five damage spell five five damage damage. all right the game's done i you're you there's no way you're higher than 10 life here (laughs) Anyways, this this new cough, you you can keep going. Yeah. New cough is two RR for four loyalty plus two. Search your library for a basic mountain card. Reveal it, put it into your hand, and shuffle. But I already have four lands in play. What do I need a basic yeah. mountain for? Because cough wants you to have okay. one. Possibly more. It is a plus two. Thank God, it's not a plus one. Yeah. Minus three. Cough deals damage. Two target creature equal to the number of mountains you control. Not lands, just mountains. Thankfully not basic mountains. Uh, and costs minus seven, so that's after two turns of plusing. You get an emblem with whenever mountain enters the battlefield under your control, this emblem deals four damage to any target. So he's like a super valicate, the molten pinnacle. Yeah. So this is basically like Chandra Torch of Defiance with a bunch of the good parts taken out and the ult like doesn't necessarily win you the game it ults a lot faster but can't make you mana can't get you real card advantage and i think is just just doesn't do anything you want to do out of a red planeswalker yeah like i'm gonna play this and i don't want to plus to get a mountain no it doesn't do the aggro thing at all it's not really doing what a mid-rangey like red black deck or something would want out of a four drop and there's just so many better ways to get card advantage than drawing a mountain every turn yeah I'm I'm so disappointed with you, Cough. I I'm glad you're not a Phyrexian, I guess, but God, could you have just been a good card? It would have been nice. Lots of fond memories of original Koth. Including that his first name is an acronym of his full name, which was really Koth cute. Koth of the Hammer. Koth of the Hammer, K-O-T-H. Koth Fire of Resistance. K-F-O-R. We really didn't get anything going there, huh? They can't all be acronyms acronyms yeah and they can't all be bangers but come on cough i've been waiting so long for you you didn't have to let me down like this maybe he'll be in a different set as a better version because he is an important story character yeah that's true he might show up again soon because he's like hasn't gotten a chance to come back in a while so maybe he like is doing stuff or maybe we just get to see him because we're on the plane and then we move on forever again but who knows i mean the whole reason cough didn't go anywhere is because He's fighting the Phyrexians. He's basically in quarantine. Oh, okay. I assumed that he was just like continuing to fight for Mirrodin. Column A, column B. Theoretically, he would want to go recruit a bunch of planeswalkers to help him fight the Phyrexians, Mm. but he's also in quarantine. Okay. Because literally, he lives on Phyrexia. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Don't want to spread that Phyrexian stuff around. No, that's what they want. That's the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah, I read the flavor. You don't want to proliferate for them. Pork off. Anyway. Uh, should we go with what my 
what my head says or what my heart says? Let's do both. Let's do head first and then heart. All right, head. This is a card that like probably would have been a rare in a set not that long ago. Furnace Punisher, two and a red for a 3-3 three, three Menace. Frexian Warrior. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, Furnace Punisher deals two damage to that player unless they control two or more basic lands. It's just like a lot of damage in a three drop. I, I don't know if this is enough text, but if there is an aggressive red deck, like this comes down very likely deals two damage to them immediately and then is a 3-3 menace that represents more damage going forward because people don't play basic lands. If people are playing basic lands, then this card sucks, but... Yeah, I, I like this card as a hate card. Yeah. Just reasonably sized, kind of slow to get on the battlefield, but hurts them a lot if they're doing the thing you hate. Yeah. Which in this case is not playing basics. Which pe most people don't. Problem is, I don't know if the standard format right now is like conducive to a deck that wants Furnace Punisher we in it. I haven't really been getting aggro decks, but part of that is also the lands. And now we have triumphs suck for like yeah. promoting aggressive formats. And now we have fast lands, which both are playable in aggressive decks and also encourage multicolored decks on the other side of the table. So those are both good things for a card like Furnace Punisher. I'm hoping that the standard season of RCQs doesn't really happen until after the triumphs rotate. Yeah. Because I, I find triumph formats just kind of bad. Uh, and then my heart wanted me to talk about vindictive flame stoker this is oh man you need a heart transplant a red for a one two phyrexian <laughs> wizard whenever you cast a non-creature spell put an oil counter on vindictive flame stoker six and a red sacrifice it discard your hand then draw four cards this ability costs one less to activate for each oil counter on vindictive flame stoker I just like it because all of the little guys that you put into play that trigger off of you casting instants and sorceries or non-creature spells, they all cost two mana. And this one said, no, I'm going to cost one mana and you can start casting your spells on turn two, which is what I want. Is the thing that this card does that pays you off good enough? Uh, it's kind of tough. You don't have to have cast six instants or sorceries to activate this thing. If you get it down to like two or three mana that and then drawing four cards off of it is pretty good. But also when it starts to threaten doing that, then they're just like, oh, OK, I will spend my removal spell on this guy. And it didn't contribute anything in the meantime, unlike your young pyromancer or whatever that you could have been playing otherwise. So, you know, not a great card. It, it doesn't really do the thing, but it does very much cost one mana. It does cost one mana. Mm -hmm. That is accurate. I will give you that. Uh, I saw Ryan uh, over Turf tweet about this. <laughs> and it's like one mana, one, two. When you cast a non-creature spell, yes. Yeah, yes. I know. The rest of the text, oh, never mind. It doesn't mind. really <laughs> deliver anything. I know. I get it. Yeah. And that's exactly where I am with this card. It's just like, you started out with the good words, but you did not deliver yeah. with further good words. I think it's in the, like, it's in the bin with Pateramander. Like, one mana, like, technically interacts well with playing a lot of instants and sorceries, but just doesn't actually pay you off in a meaningful way. Right. Pateramander did see standard play because of the, the whole flash deck yeah but that's it could have had like almost no text besides one mana one one flyer and it would have seen play that's yeah curiosity time boom oh oh i want to talk about archfiend of the dross 
So this is a 2BB66 Flying Phyrexian Demon. Enters the battlefield with four oil counters on it. The beginning of your upkeep, remove an oil counter from Archfiend of the Dross. Then, if it has no oil counters on it, you lose the game. And whenever a creature in opponent control dies, its controller loses two life. Throwback to uh, Vron Executioner Thane, <laughs> but on a huge creature. Well, and it also it triggers off of your opponent's creatures dying, not yours. So it's yes, like, well, not yours. The oil counter drawback is the closest thing to flavor text I've seen on one of these like four mana six six black flyers. So the thing to realize about this like drawback demon, it's a four mana six six flyer, is that it has to be alive for five turns before you lose the game. The turn you play it and four turns after yeah. that, and then you lose. You get three attacks with your 6-6 six, six flyer before you get to the point where it will kill you. If they're not dead after three attacks with your 6-6 six, six flyer, that also deals two to them whenever one of their creatures dies, then, I mean, they just are. Like, that's just not how the game works. And if they kill this card, it's not like a one of those black cards where if it leaves play you also lose no they just killed it you don't lose anymore yeah it's tough it has the same mana cost as shieldred so that's that's a much bigger drawback than the oil counter and thing. shieldred and shieldred heals you out of you know i'm gonna die at arch into the dross <laughs> in two turns range that's true so probably kind of tough to fit into a deck generally just because like those slots are mostly spoken for it's hard to be better than Shieldred, but it is gigantic and flying, and it is a four mana six six flyer with upside and like reasonably significant upside. If you just cast a removal spell on two of their creatures while it's in play, you've drained them for four more life. Like that's a lot of damage really quickly. But so is Shieldred. You can also get rid of it um, with your own removal spells. It's kind of like the the World Wake version of this card. I can't remember what it's called. Abyssal something. Uh, Abyssal Persecutor. Yes, where, you know, you can't win as long as it's a play, but you can just kill it and then win. Yeah, I mean, right. If you need to kill this to not die to it or whatever, like that is the thing. If you need to proliferate onto it to get an extra attack in or whatever, like you can do that. Man, we're, none we're of that, really about proliferating. None of that really <laughs> matters because if this is in play for it, the full extent, they are likely dead to it. But a shielder that stays in play also murders your opponent and is good when you're getting attacked beyond just like being a six, six. And so, or, you know, beyond just being a body. So I, I think that competition really makes it tough for Archfiend, but it is a pretty powerful card for what it costs. Yeah. I, I like this one. It's, it's really only drawback is not being shielded. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that card really overwrites a lot of the stuff that, exists in the format how about the eternal wanderer this is four white white for a five loyalty planeswalker no more than one creature can attack the eternal wanderer each combat plus one exile up to one target artifact or creature return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of that player's next end step Zero can create a 2-2 white samurai creature token with double strike and minus four. For each player, choose a creature that player controls. Each player sacrifices all creatures they control not chosen this way. White mid-range slash control whatever is just like pretty good generally. So there are already decks that exist 
that could be interested in like this six mana hybrid like sweeper-ish thing wind condition thing that like shuts down a lot of boards and makes it it is incredibly tough to kill in combat basically impossible to kill in combat uh, i think the biggest downside of this card is that if you cast a six mana card make a 2-2 double strike and then they just have a spell that kills the planeswalker then it really didn't do very much for you and also, where is she getting these samurai from? Like she's on Phyrexia. She's just summoning samurai. Yeah, they're just showing up. Okay. Just they they were like eating Did dinner you... or whatever, and then they just like pop out in Phyrexia, and it's like, oh, I really wasn't expecting she, this like, to happen. Did she like train some Lokomir to be samurai? Oh, I hope just so. They're not artifact creatures, though. Yeah, that's a problem. But that's my new, you know, head cannon for where the samurais come from. I'll, I'll, I'll cosign. That sounds great to me. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about this card because it, it does read kind of powerfully as a six mana card. It's like really hard to kill in combat. It's like a trump. Yeah. In a mid range, more mid range than control in my eyes. Right. Especially since the plus one, the flicker ability can be used aggressively uh, because it it's slow flickers card so they don't come back right away they come back at the end of turn yes if you flicker your things it comes back at the end of your turn if you flicker your opponent's things it comes back at the end of their turn so you get to if you flicker their thing you can attack through their now open board and they don't get that creature back until the end of their turn. right so it stops it from attacking or blocking i think the funniest idea for what to do with the blink ability that i've seen is that it flickers uh the might stone and weak stone so you can <laughs> minus five minus keep minus five minus fiving stuff yeah just build your own plus one minus five minus five yeah and then draw two cards when you're done with that yeah <laughs> i mean i don't think that's super like if this thing is in play and doing stuff it's probably doing enough stuff but yeah and also the mindstone of the week stones a five man artifact that is its own thing yeah and doesn't help cast this or anything right yeah doesn't do that either but Six mana is a lot. It's so much. I agree. And there are decks that want farewell, and then that's like their six mana card, and you can't really be doing this many six mana cards. Um, but I think there are decks that want to be able to have their card that sweeps like dangerous boards out of your opponent and like eliminates them to their worst creature and your best creature, and then maybe that gives them an attack that kills the eternal wanderer and but you did get to do a sweeper with your card that also in other matchups when the board isn't something you want to sweep does some really active stuff and is a huge threat uh it's really contingent on wanting six mana cards in your deck at all uh, yeah that's where the card will hinge we'll see it, it might see like some play here mm -hmm. and there but i don't expect it to see yeah. a bunch yeah that's pretty fair as is the case with like most six mana cards, right? To be they're they're niche things that you don't always need, but sometimes and sometimes they're a huge surprise to your opponent that wasn't expecting like a six mana card out of your deck, but you boarded two in because this is a mid range mirror that goes long and you need to break it, and this is the kind of card that can do that. Speaking of six mana planeswalkers, let's look at seven mana planeswalkers. Okay, great. Kaya, Intangible Slayer. This is three white white black black seven mana total for a six mana planeswalker with hex proof your opponents cannot target this uh plus two each opponent loses three life and you gain three life zero 
draw two cards then each opponent may scry one that's bizarre uh yeah it's very weird <laughs> minus three is exile target creature enchantment if it wasn't an aura create a token that's a copy of it except it's a one one white spirit creature token with flying in addition to its other types that zero reads to me like a planeswalker design that would get someone kicked off that round in the great designer search you would just have like all five of the people commenting like this zero is nonsense like we would never put that on a card but here it is i think the grant designer search lost a lot of its principles when they started catering a lot more towards commander in the mainline sets that's true so but just as like this is a seven mana card that one of its abilities just has a drawback on it yes it's it's very weird but it does do a lot of things uh without having a real ultimate it doesn't need to ultimate though like its ultimate is just i have a six life swing every single turn (laughs) i don't want to get rid of your board spend three turns with this cards in card in play and you have won the game i wouldn't be interested in this card at all except that it has hexproof right if people are playing like removal that hits planeswalkers because you know whatever the wandering emperor and the eternal wanderer and etc and like that's how they deal with planeswalkers like this is difficult to deal with in combat if you plus it up to eight to drain your opponent for three like they don't have great attacks that are likely to kill it uh and then it doesn't die to removal uh you know there's and it it does really powerful gnarly stuff like they really don't have good attacks if you exile one of their creatures and make a one one flying version of that creature you just exiled yeah it's it's very strong as a seven mana card should be yeah kind of only held back by its colors but even then uh, esper is one of the better color pairs in standard yeah or color trios in standard but as we said you know a six mana planeswalker just like that combination of words a six mana planeswalker is a niche need a seven mana planeswalker in two colors is even more niche but at least this one doesn't just die like it it's gonna stick around yes unless they cast that two mana edict for planeswalker and just get you that is true that card exists now doesn't it huh well in that case you're at least stealing a creature from them yeah (laughs) or or an enchantment yeah, she's always she's always killing enchantments that's one of her things it's so weird that kaya got the like kaya and nissa got the big the gigantic seven mana versions yeah it's just why these two characters these are not the the important ones are they i also like the perspective we have in the art of kaya where it's like this is also the perspective you would take if it was like a a 20 foot tall giant like rampaging across the battlefield but ccr which kaya are you talking about i'm talking we used all the normal arts for this one because scryfall's full set spoiler is up and they just have the normal arts displayed for them so not the manga kaya not not the manga kaya no yeah just the white and the black sun you gotta wait for those right circumstances before you pose for your card art yes with those right behind you a little you know gentle lens flaring maybe just frame it all nicely and it's pretty hard to coordinate too with mirrodin being or with phyrexia being a plane with five suns you just kind of have to wait for those (laughs) for golden hour yeah of course um any more you want to talk about no i think that's pretty good i think we've 
explored the stuff that like we want to talk about so yeah i mean there's other cards in the set there's a lot of cards in the set that are interesting yeah we just there are can't get to all of them <laughs> no we didn't even talk about commander powerhouse elish because that the card has been talked about to death though yes we will every once in a while you'll get it out with enigmatic incarnation and constructed which probably Ooh. isn't even like right to do but it certainly breaks the mirror wide open so yeah, it feels good yeah that's for sure yep. but yeah yeah that's that's enough for rexia for at least this week i'm satisfied we'll do our set review next week we probably won't get a chance to see how any of these cards are performing in standard by then even though we like kind of pushed our schedule because the pre-release is just this weekend yeah and we don't get to play on arena before the pre-release anymore which is good this is the right way to do things but the pre-release big air quotes here the set's just out after the pre-release yes or <laughs> the weekend of the pre-release I mean, <laughs> you can buy cards you can play with them they, i i it is a little silly i think that it would be sillier to get rid of the like branding and goodwill that they have with the like pre-release concept so it pre-release sounds really good to a less invested magic player like oh, i'll play the pre-release you know the cards are all new that's what a pre-release is yeah. oh, and all that stuff well, and people remember like if i I played Magic 15 years ago and haven't really kept up with it all. Like, I remember when I won a pre-release or something. You know, these are all, like, things that are in people's Magic history, and I think that keeping that sort of connection going is is valid and important. So I hope everyone enjoys their pre-releases this weekend. Yeah, I think that we're going to at least get together and draft the set we're trying to do. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I have to super be down for that, because I... Love drafting. <laughs> this... Yeah, this set doesn't look as cool, at least at first glance, as Brothers War to me, but it's still got a lot of cool stuff in it yeah. that I would like to sit down and crack some packs open and play with. No, I mean, brand new set with some cool concepts in it is always going to be a thing that I want to draft, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, thanks everybody so much. We really, really appreciate your time. Have a great week. Bye.